It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What is up, everybody, and welcome into the All-NBA Show, part of the All-City Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Mares, and I am once again reunited and rejoined by the star of today's show and every episode, Tim Legler. Legs, it is great to see you back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Refreshed. Had a little little, little vacay time. Uh, snuck a quick trip in before things get nutty. So, yeah. But, of course, you know me. Always got one eye on the games, even when I'm not working. So. <laughs> I imagine you were watching a fair amount of basketball. There was some good stuff over the weekend, and we're going to end the show by talking about some of the stuff Legs missed because there's big stories, including Bradley Beal going back out of the lineup, so the Suns' big three once again on hold. John Morant's returning to the lineup tonight. That's a pretty major story. But we're going to begin by talking about the Timberwolves, who to me are officially a legitimate title contender. We're also going to talk about the Clippers, who at least have looked like that over the last 10 games. And we'll talk about how they got their groove back. But first, we are presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code ALLNBA. Because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. Last night, Legler, the Timberwolves had what might be, I mean, they've had some impressive wins this year. Last night might have been the most impressive or at least as impressive as anyone that they've had as they come back from 17 down on the road against the Minnesota Timberwolves and close that game out with a phenomenal second half defensively and offensively. What stood out to you about this game? We start with the game. What stood out about the game? I think the thing that stood out to me the most, uh, how impressed I was with the Timberwolves digging deep you know, in a regular season game in mid-December against a very good team on the road, you fall down 17 in the third quarter. And, you know, look, it's it's a long year, man. It's 82 games. Some nights it's hard to find that resolve. Like how bad do, does this one individual game mean to you? And I just felt like defensively, and, you know, I've been saying more and more, you don't see a whole lot of defenses that actually really are affecting teams to a certain extent. I think Minnesota is definitely an exception of that. And their second half defensively, the way that they turned it up, and it was across the board. It wasn't like a couple of guys, right? It wasn't like right. Jane McDaniels picking guys up 94 feet or or Gobert single-handedly, like not let anything near the rim. No, it was everybody. It was Anthony Edwards, like picking guys up right when they crossed the half-court line and, and harassing them off the handle. Carl Anthony Towns was scrambling all over the place. I just thought their resolve – to win a game 
super impressive and <clears throat> excuse me against a really good team in their building so you know they've had like you said a lot of quality wins a lot of marquee wins i don't know you can look up and down their their schedule this year and find a better one than this because of who they were playing how well miami was playing it's not like right. you know yeah, this was because the Timberwolves couldn't buy a shot the heat were playing great and yep. a lot of nights man it's just hard to dig yourself out of a 17 point deficit when a good team is playing well but here they were and it didn't really trigger with their defense and then if you look at the last five minutes of the game you know there were so many big plays made offensively and it was everyone everybody was making shots and i just was so impressed but by, by honestly this that felt first of all like a playoff game the intensity right. of the game the way the crowd the lower bowl in miami they were on their feet for large portions of that game it had a different feel than a regular season game and and for minnesota to climb all the way back and then hold them off in the last minute a very impressive when you're talking about the personality of the game, you know, with the uh, intensity that both teams were playing with, Gobert blocked uh, Bam Adebayo shot really hard in the fourth quarter in the late minutes. And he altered another one, you know, forced him to go to a tough one. Bam hit a, cup, a pair of shots after that, after getting blocked. And a lot of guys, when you get blocked like that, you get a little intimidated or you think, okay, maybe that wasn't the right play. But Miami kept attacking. And that's why this game was great is not only did – Minnesota yeah. not give up down 17 they stormed back but then Minnesota didn't give give up either or fold right. they just they stayed confident and they kept attacking but I liked your note about the personality of this Timberwolves team because one there's an excitement when this your first year being you know number one and you know this deep into the season and they play like a team like there are teams that can get bored I think Denver a little bit this year they've been there before little bored in the regular season are we given everything for 48 minutes no minnesota has that newness of a team that is trying to break out and trying to be in and that's why like they fall down 17 and they don't just say okay it's monday night they say hey let's keep seeing let's push let's push ourselves everything feels fresh and it is the defense they have so many good defensive players on that team and so many different guys that made an impact and when they got their momentum going it just felt like every time the Miami scored in the second half was a miracle because of how hard and how intense they were guarding the perimeter, guarding the interior, rebounding everything. Yeah. And I think for, for me, like I, I just look at some of the big plays made down the stretch too. Um, and it was, it was interesting because they did it with different looks. One was they overwhelmed them with size and, it, and one of the biggest plays of the game, one point game, yeah. little over a minute to go, Anthony Edwards misses a three and Carl Anthony Towns just won't be denied, goes in, grabs the offensive yep. rebound, and then throws a lob to go bear for a dunk. Right. So it was, and it, it just, the heat looked so small in that moment with these two giant guys, like kind of playing, you know, volleyball on the glass and ending with a dunk for a go bear to put them up three with a little under a minute to go. Uh, so I just felt like they imposed themselves physically on this team. And I think it's, I think the barometer for them is Anthony Edwards, because I kind of know now like what Jay McDaniels looks like defensively. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, what he looks like. What Gobert looks like, obviously, throughout his career. Mike Conley, conscientious defender, right? Just scrappy. He's going to fight over picks. Anthony Edwards is a star scorer in this league, right? Yeah. Star scorers, a lot of times they don't have that attached to them, that they, that they can just, you know, they can roll their sleeves up, put a hard hat on, and get in the mud when they have to. And I feel like when he ramps it up, 
and you pair him next to McDaniels and Walker, and they're all on the court together, and there's not that one weak link where, like, two guys are pressuring the ball and then the first pass is made easily to the wing because that defender is eight feet off. So it's like, what's the point of pressuring the ball to that extent if you're going to allow the first pass on the wing to be caught that easily, right? That That's what I'm talking about. And when Anthony Edwards ramps it up a notch, and he definitely wants to a lot of the game because he's got that manic look in his eyes, like how competitive he is, that's when I notice a difference in their team. And that's when they become one of the outliers for me in terms of teams not affecting teams defensively. They absolutely affect you. And they do it most of the time. And when he's really dialed in and engaged with everything else they have going around him, that's when they look like a team. And you and I were talking right before we came on. You're starting to buy in that this is much more than a really good start to a season. This looks like a team that has a shot. I mean, a real shot in the West. I mean, I'm I'm over the hump. And last night's game might be the one where I go from – you know, they're a good story or they're this or that. I honestly think that they belong in the top tier of title contenders. You know, the question, and we'll get to this in a second. The question is they don't have the experience and how hard is it to go from just a team talented enough to now you have to get the experience. But I just look at them and I go, when we talk about great defenses, the Houston Rockets affect teams on the defensive end, but not to the degree and not as frequently as Minnesota. Minnesota brings their defense on the road. You know, they kind of do it against everyone. The Boston Celtics affect teams defensively but again not every single night not with the consistency the orlando magic are the other team that i think pretty consistently affects teams defensively but not to the degree of minnesota minnesota has this almost intimidating level of defense and you again miami is a team that doesn't get intimidated but they still were able to shut them down the story the other story so moving on from the defensive aspect of this the other story was Miami made their run in large part because they went to a zone. And when you talk about the matchup becomes, all right, if you have size, can you use your size to, to your advantage? And I thought when they fell behind, a lot of that was because of the Miami Heat zone and because my uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves couldn't seem to figure out how to get dribble penetration or use their size to an advantage. They weren't getting rebounds. They weren't getting into the paint. And that's how they fell back. You know, how did they break out of that? And what did you see in the second half that allowed them? Because it was the second half where the size really started to become an advantage. Yeah, you know, and I think, you know, there, look, there are certain areas of the floor you got to occupy when you're attacking a zone. And I don't think they did a very good job of that. Um, very few teams are going to play zone, if any, actually. I don't even know the data's not in front of me. Does any team play zone more than Miami? I don't think so. They, mm. they play it. They're, they're very effective at it. They mix it up frequently throughout the game. Like some teams will go to a zone at some point in the game for a handful of possessions to mix it up. Invariably, right. the zone's terrible because they don't practice it. And so they get out of it, right? They'll give up a couple of corner threes or a guy flashes middle and gets something easy. And it's like, okay, let's get out of the zone. It's like a coach does it on a whim because they don't really practice it very much. Miami practices it. It's a part of the, who they are defensively. They're going to force you at times in the game to operate against it. And if you don't have the right personnel in or you're not occupying the proper spots, you're not getting great looks. And that's what I thought was happening to them throughout the game. But then I think what triggered it for, for me was, was their defense, defensive pressure was allowing them to get up the floor a little faster because they were taking off the glass or they were forcing a turnover. They were getting up the floor faster. And a lot of times Miami will go zone on a make and they'll go man to man on a miss. Because oh, it's easier to just run back with the guy near you, right? So I think they were able to get into it 
on fewer possessions, and it allowed Minnesota to find a little bit of a rhythm. You know, those other teams you mentioned that can be impactful or at times really, you know, determine the game defensively, but we say, you know, not as often as Minnesota. Part of the reason, I think, is because Minnesota is not a super high-powered offensive team, okay? Mm. Some of the teams you mentioned, like Boston, you know, get to 130 is not much for them. Like, they'll do that all the time. So they fall into a trap sometimes of these shootouts or the trading baskets or the trading threes because they have so much firepower. Minnesota, they're 10th in the Western Conference in scoring. Right. And they're and the and they're the number one team in the West record wise. So they're doing it a different way, right? It, it's it's different than how a lot of these other teams, Milwaukee's another team. They can put drop 140 on you at some, at any point. So right. I think the concentration level is greater for Minnesota because they're not going to get to those numbers that are just on a given night, they're just going to outshoot you. It, it's going to be done a different way. And that's why I'm starting to buy into like what this would look like in a seven game series, even if you put them up against a team. Like Denver, man, that would be a fascinating series to watch. That kind of size going up against Jokic um, and the defensive, you know, pressure, McDaniel, like chasing Jamal Murray all over the place. Like that, that would be a fascinating series for me to watch. And I didn't I didn't necessarily believe Minnesota was a fascinating team at the start of the year. They're starting right. to, to, to be that for me. Like I really enjoy watching them. And again, I, I've said this a couple times, but Denver, a lot of Denver players when asked about their championship run – you know, what was the toughest part? They've almost all said Minnesota. Like that series was the one that made them the most uncomfortable. And that's the first thing that kind of perked, you know, my ears up thinking like, okay, is this team actually on the rise? And of course this year it's all coming to fruition. But you mentioned Jaden McDaniels. First of all, I got to, if we're picking nits from this game, McDaniels is one Achilles heel is that he fouls too much. And in this game in the fourth quarter, before the game was over, you know, when it was still in doubt, McDaniels gets an off-ball rebounding foul to give his sixth foul and come out of the game. And I just thought that one, I go, you're getting to be too old for this. <laughs> you know, like yeah. an off-ball yeah. foul that doesn't even affect the play, and that takes you out of the game, and now there's two minutes, and they're going to have to close without you. That's one thing I look at that said, and say, you can't have – to win a championship, you got to cut those types of mistakes. You can't shoot yourself in the foot. But, Legs, and I texted you this earlier – it's not just McDaniels who's incredible on the perimeter defensively, incredible in pick and roll. Nikhil Alexander-Walker last week was my most interesting player, and I have that uh, a, a crazy stat here. Of the 65 defensive PNR duos who have gone through at least 100-plus pick and rolls, here is the list of top five duos defending direct pick and rolls. Number one is Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Carl Anthony Towns. Number two is Torian Prince and Anthony Davis. Okay, AD makes sense. Max Struess and Jared Allen and interesting one. Number four is Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Gobert. And then number five is Wiggins and Looney. He shows up twice, twice Nikhil Alexander-Walker in the top five of guarding pick and rolls. He's skinny. He plays incredibly hard. He's long. He's almost impossible to screen because of how skinny he can get through the screen. And I, I thought that was a big factor in last night's game too. The fact that they have McDaniels and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, good luck running a pick and roll against the Timberwolves. And the thing that all of those uh, tandems have in common, the reason that that happens is because the the guard in that tandem is determined to get his top leg over the screen. Yeah, That's what it comes down to, right? Because look at, you know, you wouldn't think necessarily that Carl Anthony Towns would be in a tandem that does that, right? I don't think Carl Anthony Towns is an elite level 
like perimeter defender for a big guy, right? He, he, his feet are a little bit heavy at times. You could turn the corner on him. You can't turn the corner on him as easily if that guard is getting that top leg over the screen and he's and he's on your on the ball handler's hip and and determined to do it over and over. All of those guys that you mentioned do it. Torian Prince does a great job of that. Max Struess does a great job of that. Now he's not the quickest guy in the world if you put him on an island in an ISO against these top scorers. But you put him in a ball screen with his strength and his want to, now you have a guy that can really help the big guard that. And that's why you get those kind of rates and percentages. And that's what Nikhil Alexander-Walker does. He he just is relentless in his effort to get over the screen. And to do that, it hurts. I mean, you take knees right. to the thigh. You take knees right. to the side of your knee, right? It's it's. It's not easy, man. It's painful doing that time and time again, and he's willing to do it. It's it's a big part of setting the tone. And Mike Conley's great at it. It's a yep. big part of setting the tone for how you want to defend because it's so easy to go under or slide under or switch. I think those are just lazy excuses to not want to put the work in um, for a hard over and a, and a hedge. And that's the best pick-and-roll defense still to me, especially in this league where most of these ball handlers can shoot threes. You know, it's right. lazy to switch. It's lazy to go under. It's And you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. Uh, that's why going over is such an important part of great team defense. And there's not a lot of guys that are willing to lay it on the line like that. And he's one. Uh, he absolutely is. The other notes I have from this game, uh, one, and I don't know how often Minnesota's doing this because, of course, I don't catch every Minnesota game. But they ran a 4-5 pick and roll with Nas Reed and Gobert. That yeah. I just thought was yeah. so interesting. You know, this is obviously things you, you you see with a Denver or what have you. But what in Minnesota, okay, defensively, we we agree. They're a juggernaut. They're going to be tough, even in the playoffs. I know some people, I saw somebody in the chat say, Gobert gets exposed in the playoffs. I hate that that kind of thing. Just because a guy doesn't win or go all the way through, it's not you, you put it on, on one guy. I think that this year is going to be different. But then offensively, while they're not good, they are strange. They do do some things that are very strange, obviously, with the two bigs. So Nas Reed running pick and roll is one of them. The other one is they like to run a lot of double drags. And you have, no matter what the combination of bigs are, they can pop one, they can roll the other. But double drags create switches. It's You talk about how hard it is to get skinny through one screen, two screens, it's almost impossible. So what is it about the double drags that is so effective for that specific two, two big lineups? Yeah, Carl Anthony Towns you know, and, and Gobert are the two guys setting it. And they, they mix it up who sets it first. And, right. and yep. you have multiple options as a result. So if you want to run a drag with two back-to-back -back consecutive ball screens at the top of the key, for instance, guard comes off the first one at that first screener is Carl Anthony Towns, right? He's going he's gonna to pop back at exactly the time that his man is showing on the guard. Well, then that leads immediately into that second pick by Gobert, who typically nine times out of ten is going to do a straight dive. What happens is sometimes the, the defender of Towns, the first screener, he actually sees Gobert set the pick and slip, and his initial reaction is to go help on that dive because the guy guarding Gobert has just jumped out onto the perimeter. That right. leads to a, direct, a pass back to Towns with space at the three-point line, and he's really good at either shooting it, and he's gotten so much better at a little show and then attacking the closeout defender down the lane. If they reverse it, Gobert sets it first. He runs a hard dive to the rim. If that's and right. then the second big 
is already out on the perimeter. So there's no help back there when Gobert dives. It's typically a guard coming off the corner trying to help on the lob. So they just put a lot of pressure on you because one guy's a, a lob threat every single time. And if he doesn't get the lob, he's got great inside offensive rebounding position. And then the other guy can either pop back and shoot it or he can attack a closeout if he gets swung to him. So it, yeah. it's just – it's two guys – that worked very, very well together. Look, I was very skeptical when they made this trade for Rudy Gobert. In a league that was getting smaller and smaller and more versatile, they got bigger. I thought more plotting and less versatile, particularly defensively, with two bigs on the court with all of these three-point shooters they're going to have to get to. And it, it looked that way. Maybe I was going to be right initially. And now I, I see that they've really worked this out. And the chemistry is building there, man. And they're reading each other yeah. so well. And sometimes they're just so formidable when they're out there together on both ends with the size. Yeah. Like I said, that play, they got that offensive rebound a lot. The Miami Heat looked yeah. like a bunch of children out there compared to them on that particular play. So uh, they've worked it out and they present a look that really few teams in the league can, can match up with when you go that kind of size. You, you mentioned with the the size part, like figuring out the chemistry is so big. And I love your point because chemistry is you watch this team play. There's a joyfulness. There's an excitement. There's high fives. Like in the clutch, every time they scored was a high five and a smile going back down the court because they're just they're feeling it right now. But with the two big. So this is how they win a championship is defensively. They're going to be what they are. And offensively, they're going to be too big for all these teams, because if you try to go small and say, OK, well, we're going to shoot threes and draw Gobert out the paint. Well, you better not get killed on the other on the glass and in the paint. Well, one thing right. that they did in the clutch that I that I noticed, and I'm curious what you think. When Gobert, you can space the court with you know Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, who by the way are developing a better chemistry than I've seen between them. They had some nice two man game where, you know, I almost feel like Carl Anthony Towns has seeded the number one spot to Anthony Edwards in that two man game, and that's part of why they're yeah. working. But you run those two guys on one side of the court, so you have three floor spacers. How do you space the floor with Rudy Gobert on the weak side? Well, he makes himself into a very nice off-ball flare screener. So if you're a help guy and you're on Gobert and you're saying, well, I'm just going to go flood the strong side, he's making you pay by just hunting opportunities to get one of his teammates open and then roll into the rim. And I just feel like the timing on those actions, Gobert off-ball, not just playing in the dunker, but okay, my guy's not guarding me. Let me do something that makes the team punish. And I just – I feel like they've found a really nice rhythm with that specific sort of iteration. All right. That's a great uh, observation on your part. And one of the reasons I've always admired Rudy Gobert, it's, it's very difficult to find bigs that want to dive that hard all the time. And – when he was in Utah in particular, not as much, not as often here because you've got the second big that can set a second screen, you know, on a possession. So my point being in Utah, when he was the only big on the court, he'd set a pick 30 feet from the basket for a guard and he would dive run right straight to the rim. And then whatever would happen, the action would come off and it wouldn't materialize. So they'd swing it to the wing and now a different scorer would have it. And here comes Rudy Gobert running out from the rim back out to 25 feet to set a right. second screen and Hard then going all the way back to the rim again you just yep. don't see guys with that level of effort and energy and understanding their role look don't get me wrong sometimes in utah he would get kind of ticked off 
if one of those two, he didn't get a lob thrown to him from Mitchell or something, right? He, or Ingles. Like he, you could see he'd get irritated sometimes, but that's okay because even though he would get irritated, he'd do it the next trip and the next trip and the next trip. And he does the same thing in Minnesota, and he saves him a little energy here because we, he might set the first one and dive to the rim. And if there's no action and that ball gets swung, well, Carl Anthony Towns is probably already out there on a the perimeter somewhere. So now he'll go set the second screen, and now Gobert will just go stand on the base short baseline and just wait for a shot and then circle in and try to get offensive rebounds. I just admire him understanding his limitations yeah. and how he can most affect the game. His dives – attract an awful lot of attention man because of his length and you got to get guards down there you know pinching on his lower body and trying to get a backside into him to, to prevent him from jumping whatever it takes but it's a crowd there in the lane because of him and yeah you know, some guys might do that five six times a game you're not the guys aren't doing that 20 times a half yep. the way right. gobert is and it's just such an important element for your team to find a guy that wants to do it and is willing to do it and is committed to do it because he understands how important he is He's, his redemption arc has been really incredible, really, this year, because he clearly, you know, Anthony Edwards is the best player on that team. He's the go-to. He's the star. But I feel like Gobert almost has had the biggest impact on the culture because, yes, he does those things you're talking about. Thankless things like down the floor, up the floor, down the floor, up the floor in one possession. And now, as you mentioned, it's not just him. It's all of the different guys. But I feel like that's easier to do when you see one guy, your most important anchor doing it. It makes it a little bit easier for everybody else to say, all right, this is who we are and this is our identity. So let me ask you, um, well, actually, first I want to ask you, the, the Timberwolves, part of what's going on right now is they have a little magic to them. They have a little just like it feels special. And I wonder how much can a run like this change a team? Because they seem like they have more confidence. And after that game, they just had a look of, pure excitement and joy. And I almost feel like this run that they're on captured by that last game can sort of vault a team up a level or two. And I just kind of feel like that's what's happening. It had they dropped two, three, four more games just by chance, maybe they don't get it, but they have a little belief an extra belief that's coming to them every game. I agree. And I think what's interesting right now, I love this next stretch of games for them because yeah, you, know, you talk about testing yourself, right? So you're, you're going to get at Philly, Lakers at home, at SAC, at OKC, Dallas at home, Lakers at home, at Madison Square Garden, and then New Orleans at home. Man, that's a hell of a stretch. Like, so they've already, you know, they've already kind of caught everybody's attention. We, we're all we, we're in agreement. This team is legitimate. And now, a game like that like Miami coming back against that team as well coached as they are and and they played well and they still didn't win the game that gives you a tremendous boost but now you get to go see like this is going to be like a murderer's row here in your schedule and uh they're, they're they look like they're up for the challenge so it's going to be definitely a team you're going to want to be checking out over the next two weeks well sadly I just looked they're not on national television until January 18th so they have a whole month basically of being behind the scenes but um, you know, that's nobody saw this really coming, coming into the year and, and here they are. Is there anything else you have on this game or on, uh, this team in particular? I, I, I just said it, I, they're in my tier one title contenders. And I, I guess the one reason you would be hesitant is because they never have won in the playoffs. They only have one win, you know, last year. So that part aside, or maybe not even putting that aside, do you kind of view this team as not just a good story, but actually as a legitimate threat? 
Yeah, they're 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 a threat. They're in the mix for sure. I'm not going to be shocked one bit to see them. You know, be look. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and predict. You know, a quarter, little over a quarter of the way through the season, how sure. they how they match up in a series with Denver or the Lakers or Phoenix. Or, let's see how it all plays out and who's standing and who's healthy and all that kind of stuff. But um, at this point, based on seeing all of these teams, I'm not going to be shocked anymore if they make it like to the conference finals, like, and I don't know that I felt that way until here over the last week or so. And one thing I, you said, is there anything else from the game? One thing, yes, there was, and it was the biggest shot of the night and it's the way he got it. So Anthony Edwards backed, I don't know who was guarding him. Could have been Caleb Martin. I'm not sure. Jimmy Butler maybe backed them down into the post after they ran it set, nothing happened. He got back in his hands. He backs down and, and does a little Kobe fake one shoulder, turn the other, turn around, jumper off the glass in the post. And it was so certain what he was doing down there. And I thought, man, this is scary now. He adds this element because, you know, it's it, look, one thing about him I, I, the last couple of years, one thing about Anthony Edwards, he wants it so badly. Sometimes he goes for the kill shot when he doesn't need it from deep and you bail teams out. So now if he understands the patience in those moments to take advantage of his athletic ability and strength and just bounce down there uh, to get that kind of a shot for himself, because it's, it's unstoppable if you're going to shoot a turnaround jumper in the post or fadeaway, there's nothing you can do about that if you're a guy that size that gets off the ground like that. If, if he now has that added, because I haven't seen a whole lot of that out of him in the past, that shows me even more growth on his part. There's no question. We talked about him beginning, very beginning of, of us doing this together. The thing we both love about him, he just looks like he has the look of wanting to be great. He doesn't want to just, you know, have a nice career or, or, or make money or make some all-star teams. He has a look of a guy that wants to win championships and wants to be considered one of the best players in the league. That And that's, that's that's a good sign. And and so for him adding to his game, even as the season's going on like he did last night to make that shot, I thought it's impressive. Very impressive, man. I love this Timberwolves team. What a great story. And as a Denver Nuggets fan, I'm concerned about them. I genuinely think they match up with Denver and and they look to be a team that is figuring out the difference between talent and and contention. And, and they're on that that uh, path right now, and it's really cool to see. Let's take a break. Another team. So Minnesota's one of two of the hottest teams in the NBA. The other one, the LA Clippers, who may have figured some things out. They've won nine of their last 10. So we're going to get to them on the other side as they picked up an impressive win last night as well. But first, all I want for the holidays this year is some NBA action. Well, guess what? That's what I'm going to get. This week, new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting five bucks, an instant dub just for you. Later in the week, we're going to be giving you our favorite bets from the Christmas Day games, kind of talking about those games through the lens of betting on them. That I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. There's five great games. I know my nuggets are in the absolute primetime spot, which means I'm going to be missing Christmas dinner. I guess I'm not too happy about that. Uh, but download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ALLNBA. New customers get 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on basketball. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code ALLNBA. The crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org. 
Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash basketball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Legs, there was another very interesting game last night, and that was the blowout win from uh, the Los Angeles Clippers. It became a blowout. They actually trailed in this game uh, in the early go. They got a little bit of momentum going there in the second, and then the fourth quarter was just the James Harden show. So they get the win 151 to 127 against the Indiana Pacers. What stood out to you about this one? Well, to quote Anchorman, uh, things really escalated quickly out there. (laughs) <laughs> That's the way I look at it because I thought I was watching a pretty good game, right? I was like, oh. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. That's a pretty good game. Like, you know, and Indiana, we know, can score, and the Clippers have been playing well. You look up, and it's like a tie game, I think, in the second quarter. And next thing you know, the Clippers have 151 points, and the Pacers just look like they completely quit even trying defensively. I just, there are some nights you watch, and I'm not going to take anything away from the Clippers because they've got a lot of firepower and they're playing really well. But sometimes it does matter if a team, it just has substandard NBA effort. And I, I just didn't think that was yeah. NBA effort on the part of the Pacers at all. I just didn't. It, it requires, when you play a team like the Clippers with this many guys that, that can get going and cooking and, and hurt you individually and then through the three-point shooting, it takes such a, such a state of readiness and effort, multiple efforts like every play. And if you're not willing to do that, this is what's going to happen to you. You didn't run off the floor. And so that – Second half of this game, uh, really the last three quarters, the Clippers scored 114 points. I mean, and it just felt like they were scoring every single time down the floor. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that's that's let's start with just just let's dispatch Indiana. I don't have much more to say about them. I do think they're they're kind of wel- welcome back to earth a little bit from the in season yeah. tournament. Like, it, and not just the adrenaline isn't there now. They're back in the regular season, and they got they got a lot of attention. They became a national story. People were really really interested in them. They have really struggled since, and Halliburton has really struggled since. And so you don't know what he's feeling either. And he's a little bit nicked up, but at the same time, it looks like he, he just doesn't look like the same right now. And maybe that's because of the pressure that comes with once you arrive that this meteoric arrival. Now it's okay. You got to do it every night, every night. That's what the superstars do every single night. And so his numbers have really dropped off. They've really struggled. So let's see what happens with them now and and put this all in a better context after we watch them now for another month. For the Clippers, yeah, listen, you can't deny it. Their flow is better. They look more comfortable. Those guys are playing well together. Harden has really been playing well and making shots. And he had an 18-point run in the fourth quarter last night, individual run. That didn't mean a lot because they were already up 20. But listen, it's impressive still. To see him cooking yeah. like that, you haven't seen him like that in a long time. So that was impressive. And also, this is one of those teams that that Adam can put out defensive lineups that that can move. They can move and they can be long and they can they can present some problems. And I think they've got the perfect guy in the middle for this team. By the way, in Zubac, he's just the perfect guy to be 
with four players like this offensively because of some of the things I said about Gobert apply to him too. He'll go every single time to the offensive glass, tip, 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 not get it, turn, sprint back as hard as he can, run the floor the next time and do it all over again. It very rarely ever gets a number called. It's all, right. it's all improvised organic points. And, you know, yet 18 and 16 he gives you as your, you know, whatever. He's like their sixth as your best garbage player. Man. That's it. And he gives you 18 and 16. So um, I, there, looks, there's nothing else to say. They're impressive right now. They're playing great. They're rolling. They found chemistry. They, it's, not, it's not like they just beat a ton of great teams, but they've had some signature wins during this stretch. They beat that Denver. Is, yeah. yeah, they beat the Knicks. I thought the Knicks was a good win. The Knicks were playing pretty well yeah, at that time. They, sure. they spanked them too. They put up 144 on a good defensive team. So that was kind of that was impressive. They beat the Warriors a couple of times, but you know they're struggling. So it wasn't like as impressive. Sacramento, some other got, ones the teams have had, but you got to win who's in front of you. You got to beat who's yeah. in front of you, and they're doing that. Uh, I think Knicks, Sacramento, and Denver, those are all good wins. And then to your point, just not dropping any of these other ones, you know, is, is impressive in and of its own right. But Legs, it's also the way they're doing it. Over the last 10 games, the big three of Harden, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard has a plus 23.2 net rating. Plus 23, and this is a 10-game sample size, which is pretty good. Offensively, 131, which is absurd. They're scoring almost every time down court. And then defensively, very respectable 108. So to me, this is the thing that stands out. It's not just that they're winning. It's that they're dominating their most important minutes that are going to make up their playoff lineup. And they have a host of players. You mentioned Zubats. He's obviously a, a staple of that lineup. But then they throw out Terrence Mann or Dwight Powell. And they uh, – I'm sorry, uh, Norman Powell – and they get, you know, different looks with those guys uh, that are very dynamic and difficult to guard. And the thing I sent you earlier today, a clip, they, to me, have figured out how to run their offense in a way that is very simple and basic, but that gets their key players in key spots. And one of the plays they run a lot is just as simple. The ball will be usually in Harden's hands. And you'll have either Paul George or Kawhi Leonard on the block, depending on who they like, whose who's matchup they like the most. Sometimes they'll run it for each guy, you know, back to back. And they'll have that on one side. And on the other side, they'll get a double pin down for somebody in the corner coming off it. And it's a simple action. But when I say a team has figured out the new pieces, you can run the ISO for Kawhi or Paul George. You can have... Paul George or Kawhi coming off a double pin down. And if none of that works and all the various reads and counters, you end with a James Harden pick and roll at the top. So you yeah. kind of run through all of your top options. You get to them very easily and quickly. And as a defense, you're worried, do I overload on the ISO on Kawhi? Do I stay in position to guard the pick and roll? Do I chase Paul George off the screen? It's so simple that they can get into these actions over and over and get different looks every single time. Yeah, and I think you hit it on the head. They've simplified it. And they're just going to take advantage of this elite skill level that their best two players have. That's what it comes down to. And then Harden's in a great lane as the third guy, the third option, really, because I think when, when you're when you're first, which he was for years in Houston, when you're second, which you know he was in Philly, it's different because that you have to do it pretty much every night in the playoffs. And if you don't, your team doesn't really have a chance to win. That's not necessarily the case now, you know. And he's going to get. He's going to, he's not going to get the top on ball defender, which is going to help him because he doesn't put guys in his rear view mirror. Like he used to with his, with his back and forth dribble and boom, that first step he's gone. He could still do it sometimes, not consistently, right. 
but it's a lot easier for him if he's going to get the third best perimeter defender. And that's what he's getting now because you got to take those first two guys to guard Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Um, so he's in a great lane. He can pick his spots when he wants to be more uh, aggressive as a scorer, which he certainly was last night and he has been lately. And then also the fourth guy. The thing I love about Westbrook is this is a guy that was an MVP in this league, okay? And now you look where he's at. You know, he, he volunteered, obviously, to come off the bench. We've talked about that. But it's this is the perfect guy to be in that fourth spot because he's always going to play with the same level of intensity, no matter yeah. what. And no matter what on a given night, if he gets good looks or not, if the ball's in his hands early enough, if he gets opportunity, because you know he still wants to play that way, man. All those guys want to play that way at times and be the alpha and go do their thing. Even if he's not getting it to that extent, he's going to play hard. And he's going to be into the game on the bench, and he's going to be, you know, so I just his right, energy right. is such a it's such a powerful component for a team to maintain when it's a star player. So he's been great, but here's here's what it boils down to for me. It always will with this team. It's Kawhi Leonard. It's Kawhi Leonard, man. Mm -hmm. In the last he's on one right games, now. In the last eleven games, the dude is averaging thirty on sixty-two percent shooting. Pretty good. 95% free throw shooting um, and 55% three-point shooting. 55? He's on, wow. he's on a different planet right now, man. Different man. planet right now offensively. And, and, you know, look, we've seen this out of him before. We know he can do this. He just has had a hard time staying on the court, staying healthy, playing, playing the games. The fact that he's playing every night and he's playing, you know, 30 anywhere from like on a bat, on a, you know – 28 minutes on the low end to 39. He's always in the 30s in minutes. With this kind of usage rate and this efficiency, this looks exactly like Kawhi Leonard during his championship run in Toronto. And that is scary for the rest of the league. And that, that's what it all hinges on for me, Adam. And as great as Harden's been and Westbrook, Paul George, we talked about the role players, all that, Zubach we gave credit to. Man, this thing, whole thing hinges on Kawhi Leonard's health. And he looks tremendous right now he looks strong on balance getting whatever he wants never rushed and it's 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 really impressive man to watch him go to work right now i had to look it up as you were talking because those numbers are ridiculous 4.7 three-point attempts it's not like he hit yeah, one or two threes you know time, right? yeah that's a lot of three because i was thinking when you said that i was like all right well how many is he taking but five a game given all the other stuff he does is a lot for a 10 game sample. It's 53s for him to be at almost 60% shooting on him is absolutely absurd. So I I'm with you, man, this Clippers team, you know, it is unlike the Timberwolves where I'm sold on them. The Clippers to me, it's a good run. They, they found an identity. They found a footing. They found a rotation. Um, I want to see it. And, and you talked about upcoming schedules. Here's their next games for the next month or so at Dallas. Dallas a little depleted right now, but we know that that's a matchup that Dallas has enjoyed in the, in the, in the past. At Oklahoma City, the next night on second night of a back-to-back, -back, that one's tough. Boston, obviously tough. Charlotte will be an easy one. Memphis with John Morant, who knows? Miami, Phoenix, New Orleans, Lakers, Phoenix, Toronto. That's a good yeah. stretch of, like, all of those games. There's, no, there's one easy game, Charlotte. Outside of that one, the rest of them are at least a challenge. And some of them, they'll be yeah. – uh, underdogs in so i feel like in the next month we're really going to figure out this clippers team and just how good they are um agreed 
Uh, do you have anything else on them that you want to get to? Any any other Clippers notes to close it out? No, I mean, I think, you know, I think that the, the key for them is, all right, now they're on everybody's radar. Let's let's now pay attention. Because, look, I don't think you can deny if those guys stay healthy, they absolutely could win the Western Conference. There's mm-hmm. no question in my mind. They could win the West if those guys stay healthy. Um, so now that they've kind of put it together, we just watch and we see what the ebb and flow at the top of the West is going to be for seeding because um, different teams are going to go on these kind of runs at the top, all of these teams. I think Phoenix at some point probably is going to have an eight or 10 game winning streak. You, you know, it's, it's coming. Um, wow. Denver's always going to be a team that can rattle off wins like that. So, um, and, and I think as it, every time one happens, we now look at that current team and say, okay, yeah, maybe he, maybe this is the scariest team in the West. That's how loaded the top is. And, and, uh, the Clippers now belong in that discussion. Um, speaking of the Suns making a run over the, you know, this last week or so, Bradley Beal enters the rotation. They go 0 for 2 in the big three era. And then he goes out the rotation just as quickly once again. And now it's looking like not till January is at the earliest when he returns. We've talked about this a little, so we'll be real brief on this, but the Suns were already about to cut the season in about a little bit less than a half at the earliest before we start the big three era. What's your concern level now of just saying, hey, man, there's not that much time left? Yeah, and it's actually less uh, even me thinking that there's not enough time. I still think there's plenty of time. It's more about the fact that now you look at Durant and Book and Abiel, it's a, it's like now it's like a history, man. There's like a track record here of injuries that yeah. pile up. So now it's like no longer where you go, okay, benefit of the doubt. They're going to get this, you know, 35, 40 game stretch where nobody gets hurt. I, I don't, you know, we got to see that and it hasn't happened. And that's why, with, you know, with the Clippers right now, you're looking at that. That's why they're playing so well. Their best player is playing every night. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, I think, you know, with his track record, Kawhi's, I, I mean, I still think we're a long way from where we go. Okay, man, I guess he's going to have one of those years where he stays healthy. I mean, who knows with him, he, with all the stuff that's happened. And now I feel like it's kind of like, happening with Phoenix a little bit like are they gonna do it or is it just gonna be injury after injury there's still plenty of time if I, you could tell me guaranteed health I'd say yeah give them 25 games going into the playoffs it's all you need if you could guarantee me that they're all going to be healthy that's hey, the there's only that... only 50 games left so we're already yeah. talking about all three of them being healthy for half of the remaining games I just the margin for error for a rolled ankle or for a sickness or for anything, the margin for error just keeps getting tighter and tighter with them. And Completely that's, that's agree. And, and I just think they're going to be a team that it's because of it. We're going to talk about them a lot because of who's on the roster. It, it's almost like get back to me in the middle of March. <laughs> there you go. I'm the Phoenix um, to see where they're at with their health. Uh, a team that is also in the same – standing and uh facing a similar thing the the cavaliers who are 15 and 12 right now have been a little disappointing so far out of the gate they lose evan mobley uh and for for several weeks they're gonna have to go a good portion of the schedule now without him what do you make of that loss they picked up a win last night by the way um beating the rockets a pretty nice win even though the rockets don't win on the road it's still nice uh they're still a good team but they picked up a win there. But can they survive? And and how big of an impact do you see this making for them over the next several weeks? Got to tell you guys about Factor. 
Meal Kit, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. They are incredible. They've got all of these different options on their website, including smoothies, breakfast, these top-of-the-line meals. You can choose from 35-plus chef-crafted meals every week that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preference, whether it's calorie-smart, vegan and veggie, protein plus, uh, keto, a whole bunch of different dietary options. And yes, they update that menu every single week so you can check it out and pick what you want. I'm going to give you two recommendations here. I had a... Uh, sun-dried tomato pesto that was unbelievable. And then last night I had this chicken and mushroom pesto. I'm a huge mushrooms guy. If you're not a mushrooms guy, I get it. But for me, I am, and it was incredible. I'm two for two so far in my factory meals with four more in the freezer now before I make my next purchase. This December, get factored and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. They're ready in just two minutes with no prep and no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash allmba50 and use code allmba50 to get 50% off. That's code allmba50 at factormeals.com slash allmba50 to get 50% off. It's tough. It's really tough because it, it's definitely one of the things that differentiates them is, is what they can do defensively with that tandem of bigs, right? Because Mobley and Jared Allen together you know, they can do things that the very few teams in this league can replicate because Mobley can really get out of the perimeter, move his feet, and guard guys. Then he's got the length to track him to the rim, and then Allen is just you know incredible at the rim. So they they've got this unique tandem. Take one guy down, it, it's it's really kind of goes against what their identity is. Um, and I agree, it, it has been a little bit more disappointing than I thought based on you know they had a very splashy year last year, um, ended abruptly, but you expected coming into the year that, hey, Cleveland, is that clearly going to be the fourth best team in the Eastern Conference? And, right. you know, the Knicks have something to say about that, obviously. But So do the Magic. Yeah, yeah, in Orlando. Yeah, Orlando. Everybody was picking them, right, to be, uh, you know, to be right there in the mix at the start of the year. So, yeah, it's, it's look, it, 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 it affects what makes them different with those two guys out there together. And he's going to be out for an extended period of time, a couple of months maybe. So it's, it's a tough yeah. blow. That's a really tough one. Um, elsewhere, your guy, Keegan Murray, uh, 47 <laughs> points over the weekend against Utah, man. Um, we've been waiting for a breakout shoot. I don't think I was expecting this. 12 made threes, which is insane. He joins a short list of players to have ever made 12 threes in a game. But, you know, we talked about the defensive jump he's made this year. The confidence jump in the three-point shot, I'm not declaring him fully back, but he has been hitting it lately in 12 threes. I mean, I have to imagine as a shooter, that does a lot for your confidence when you make 12 threes in a game, go for 47. 16 for his last 22. Uh, that's it. You know, you, we, we say guys run a heater all the time, and that is a heater right there. And, and he's a guy we profiled at the start, you know, as interesting guys because they, they could be a difference maker for teams that are trying to climb a rung. And we already liked the Kings. We liked what we saw out of them last year. And now, you know, here's a guy that, that you expect each year here in the first several to get better and better and improve. And, you know, he, he's had a little bit of a very slow start. Then he found a stride a little bit, and then he regressed a little bit. I still don't think necessarily, and this might sound crazy for a guy that just went 16 for 22 from the three over the last couple of games. I had, you know, average 36 points a game in those two games. I still don't watch him play and think I see like a supremely confident shooter. I, I like this. Maybe, yeah. You know, maybe, maybe these next, maybe these last two games, maybe something will turn now for him. 
Because I still see sometimes when he, he either doesn't pull it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When, when, when everybody else in the league would have shot a shot he just turned down, or just in general, he shoots it and he doesn't look that sure. Um, so I still think there's still so much more there for him. And this is a good, really good sign these last couple of games, man, because those are some pretty impressive numbers. What I love your point here because one of the things that stood out to me about that game was as the shots were going on, like after the fourth or fifth one, he started to shoot some that I hadn't seen him shoot before, like a little bit, yeah, right. a little contested, I mean. a little quick. Yeah, and it's like, you know what? That is good. I don't know. Finding the right balance between just letting it fly versus trying to be selective is always tough, but – for him, he's a rare example of a guy whose the dial is turned too far down. He needs to turn it up a right. little bit. And that game, because he was feeling it, you know, he had that going. So that was a lot of fun. Um, tonight, the return of John Morant in New Orleans, take, or taking on the New Orleans Pelicans. That game is on TNT tonight. You know, I don't know that it could have gone much worse for Memphis in the absence of John Morant. They are 6-19. and 19. They are seven games, seven and a half games back of the play-in. I kind of have their season as over, but, you know, what do you expect from John Morant tonight? And, you know, how is he going to change this team? And what's it going to take for them to kind of become relevant again? Yeah, we were debating this a little bit. And you said, you know, it was over. And I said, I'm not necessarily so sure about that. And then the more I start to look at this and just do the math on it and also just how long is it going to for him how long yeah. is it going to be before he's stringing together, you know, games where it's like, oh, every night he looks like John Morant at his best. Like that could take a while, man. It's a long time to be away from the game yeah, and to find rhythm. You know, even a guy like that, that just you think is just going to rely on, you know, supreme athleticism. No, there's a lot more to it than that for guys to find their rhythm with their handle and their shooting and just their timing on stuff. His athletic explosion, you know, He's going to have so much adrenaline in this first game because he probably missed it so much. He's going to, and he knows where his team is, and he's going to maybe even force it too much and try to do a little bit more than, than is there, and that's going to not necessarily work well for him. So just him finding his game is going to take a while. Where will they be at that point? Uh, they got a lot of road games coming up. Uh, basically between now and, and the third week of January, man. They got oh, man, a ton so I'm looking at we'll, it now. And, you know what? and we're gonna, yeah, we'll see what that, you know, sometimes, man, it's good. It's good for guys going through certain things to get out on the road. Actually, it's a little bit easier. Sometimes you have a, I've, I've always felt you had a more of a us against the world mentality. It galvanizes a team. Sometimes if things can, can go well on the road, it's kind of a nice feeling where it's just you guys traveling. You leave the media, not necessarily behind with the fans behind in your home building, the scrutiny, you know, in your community, like all that, just, you know, just everything kind of goes away. And it's just, it's just a group of 15 guys and some coaches going out on the road can be a good thing, but their schedule's tough, man. No question. And they're six and 19 and he's not going to come back and, and be, be in rhythm for a while. So it could get worse before it gets better. The other matchup tonight that I'm pretty excited for 
Wimbenyama versus Giannis tonight. Um, look, this isn't a compelling matchup of Bucks and Spurs because I think the Bucks have a pretty big advantage in this game. But Wimbenyama, whenever he's asked about his influences and who he looks at, he always mentions Giannis. Now, look, their games are going to be different. They're not the same type of player. But I do see a little bit of Giannis influence on him and the way he tries to, you know, the Euro steps and the long strides to the basket. I'm at least excited just for this matchup because I always like when a player goes up against their idols. You know, yeah. there's just something special there. And I kind of expect that tonight, even though I think the Bucks win this one by 15, 20 points. I just am like looking forward to seeing what Wemby does tonight going up against Giannis. Yeah, that's a good one. It's definitely a, a good um, thing to watch based on what Wemby Yama has said about him in the past. But if I had to give him some advice, if that's your idol and you really want to sort of pattern yourself after him, you know, the stuff you mentioned on the court, great, the, the, the Euro steps and the things like that. I, I got an even better suggestion. You really want to emulate Giannis Antetokounmpo? Watch the way he changes ends of the floor. Ooh, that, interesting. What, okay. And that's what Wembenyama, when I watch, when I watch him now sometimes, and it, look, I, again, and you know I've been big on this, the lack of a competitive environment sometimes isn't the great, the best thing to get that out of you. Like, you know, we compare him and Holmgren. Holmgren is, is in a, with a team that's really playing for something now. And yeah. so the accountability is so much greater. And it gets that extra effort out of you because you have no choice. You can't let anybody down. We're supposed to win tonight. It's not the case in San Antonio. And so when I watch him sometimes, it's 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 the, the changing ends of the floor. But he'll take a couple trips where he's kind of like in jog mode and guys will run past him or they'll throw it ahead of him. You, know, you really – want to have the career path and career arc of Giannis Antetokounmpo, watch how hard that dude plays all the time. And that's that's what I think Wembenyama, that would be the best thing he could do because of his unique set of skills he has and length. And you play that hard all the time, even while you're trying to get stronger, you can make a lot of stuff happen right now that is still out there for you that you're not making happen because you're not in that mindset. And I think the lack of, you know, like I said, winning, being important, I think maybe that's where that extra 10, 15% can come from that they're not going to probably get this year. Yeah. Well, that's it, man. This was a great show. It was, you could tell we missed you legs because there was so many different storylines to hit in short order, but, um, you know, we hit them all and there's some good games coming up here the rest of this week. As I mentioned, those ones, uh, tonight we are off tomorrow, but we will be back Thursday. We will be back Friday. We will have a special edition where we preview the Christmas games. I know a lot of people start to tune in for the first time on Christmas. We'll give you a betting guide to that. Legs, great to have you back again, man. Thanks, Adam. Talk to you Thursday. Everybody do us a favor. Hit that like button on the way out. We'll see you guys Thursday.